0: During Advent this year in bakerstown Church Homes, we hope that you are using the Advent calendar of devotions that we passed out last week. to you? I understand there's still a few copies available out in the narthex If you have not used them, how many have you been using them? Good, wonderful. We're trying this year something a little different. We're trying to coordinate the preaching, the teaching, your home, personal, and family devotions around the same theme. We will be studying here in the worship service on the Sundays 2, 3, and 4 of Advent, the same things that our church school classes will be studying. They traveled around some of the church school departments. They were lighting or preparing to light their Advent candles. Some of you, I know, are doing it at home. This morning over in the junior church, Mr. Hepler will be preaching on the same general theme that I'll be speaking to here. And we're hoping that through this united effort, worship, church school, junior church, home devotion. It will be a meaningful and edifying experience for all Christians of our community. I'm going to be speaking the next three weeks, I hope, from the first chapter of Luke's Gospel, which tells us so much about what happened before that first Christmas. And the lessons are rather long. I hope you'll follow along today and on the succeeding two Sundays when we take an in-depth look at this first chapter of the third gospel. Luke, the first chapter, beginning at the eighth verse. Now while he, that's Zechariah, was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, It fell to him by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he shall drink no wine nor strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Gariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered, him, I am Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold you will be silent and unable to speak until that day that these things come to pass because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time and the people were waiting for Zechariah and they wondered at his delay in the temple and when he came out he could not speak to them and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple and he made signs to them and remained dumb. and when his time of service was ended he went to his home and after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she hid herself saying thus the Lord has done to me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus amen and amen President Anwar Sadat of Egypt said it very well, oh, not two weeks ago when he was in Jerusalem, no, he showed it by his actions then, by coming to the holy city in the first place, and secondly, after coming, immediately going to that ancient Muslim mosque to pray. rather he said it back in 1972 when he expelled from his homeland of Egypt some Soviet Soviet people who were trying to advise him what he thought incorrectly and he is reported to have said at that time I do not go down on my knees to anybody but the Lord. Amen. I do not go down on my knees to anybody but the Lord. That's not just good diplomacy. That's good religion. And though we are of the Christian faith, we too believe you should bow your knee to no one but the Lord. How does Paul put it? at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth he alone is the one to whom we should kneel but the point i'm trying to make today is when we kneel to him even to him it hurts it hurts to kneel and anyone who thinks it does not, does not know much about kneeling, nor much about hurt. Sometimes it hurts us to kneel physically. Over in the administration building, recently we purchased some heavy plastic mats to protect the carpet from the casters of our office chair. And under our desk, we have these large, big plastic mats. And it's beautiful. Your carpet is being well protected. I want you to know that. But it's caused me some great hurt. Because, you see, every Tuesday in my office, the staff meets. And a part of that staff meeting is a time of prayer. And when we pray, we pray first rate around here. We get down on our knees. And for years I've been getting down beside the chair, my desk chair, to pray. We pray for Thanksgiving, for the previous Sunday here at Bakerstown Church. We pray for the leading of God's Holy Spirit to those of us who have been given this responsibility of leadership. And we pray for you by name, individually. But I'll tell you, in the last six weeks, it hurts me to pray because now I have to get down on that hard plastic mat. I never knew that Bernie and Jim prayed so long as they've been praying in these last few weeks. It hurts to pray for you on my knees. Sometimes it hurts traditionally when we get down to kneel. Many of us were not here when this great, great sanctuary was planned and built. But for those of you who were here, you tell me that my predecessor, the Reverend Dr. Jim Little, great guy, it was his desire that there would be built into this sanctuary on each one of these pews, kneelers. He thought it would be most appropriate, great man of prayer, that we would have in Bakerstown Church kneelers. By the looks of things, we'd either have to move the pews back or some of you would have to get a little thinner if you were going to get down. But I understand, for some reason or other, Jim, who is a very lovable person and a very loving person and is tremendously gifted with God's power and gift of persuasion, even he lost. And we didn't get kneelers. And you know why? They tell me it's because some of you would have been hurt Too much because it was not the tradition in which you were raised to kneel down in public worship. It hurts to kneel. And I mean just not kneeling with that joint between the thigh and the leg bone. The worst type of hurt and the greatest amount of hurt comes when. You kneel inside. When the spirit is smashed, the heart is broken, the enthusiasm is dampened, and you are humbled. That's a tremendous hurt that requires that type of inward kneeling. My thesis today is very simple Jesus when he came to this earth in the form of a baby in a manger was recognized first first mind you by those individuals who were hurting they were the ones who came and knelt first and saw in the little babe of Bethlehem Christ the Savior of the world and it is my contention that it will be the people who are hurting this year who will come into the spirit of Christmas in the proper attitude and who will be kneeling. How does the psalmist put it? 51st Psalm says that a sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. But broken spirits and hearts of contrition, they hurt. They hurt. And I know that there are some of you here today who are hurting. This sermon is for you. And if you're not hurting and on top of the world and thrilled, hallelujah. But remember, nobody schedules hurt in his or her life you don't know when it's going to come some of you are hurting today because you are living in a world of silence you identify you see with reverend Zachariah, the preacher the preacher who who had a tremendous responsibility who one one day went into worship he was Fulfilling his exercise as we do up here when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared on the right side of the altar. I don't know why the left side, but it was the right side. poor Zachariah lost his place. He didn't know what to do. He was dumbfounded. The angel said, good news, we've heard your prayers, those of you and your wife, and, and your wife's going to have a baby and his name's going to be John the Baptist and he's going to be a forerunner of the Lord! Reverend Zechariah says, How can this be? I'm an old, old man and my wife's not so young either. Give me a sign. The angel got a little upset and gave a sign, not the sign that Zechariah was expecting. He gave him the sign of silence and said for nine months, because of your disbelief, you will not speak. And I want to tell you, there's nothing worse than a preacher who can't preach. A minister who can't speak. And poor Zachariah, he could not speak. Up to three years ago, I thought that the most pitiful And hurting people in the world were people who were given the silent treatment by loved ones and by enemies. You expect it from enemies, but you don't expect it from those who say they love you. It's difficult. Have you ever had the experience where somebody, for some reason, won't speak to you? Remember reading about that West Point cadet who was given the silent treatment? I drove him up a wall. I remember once having a job in the summer. To this day, I still don't know why, but a man who was to work with me, he didn't like me, and he chose not to speak to me. That was about all my Christian faith could take. Even to this day, I get upset when people try to childishly treat me with silence. Many people do it. I think in the confidence of the counseling room some of the most pathetic stories come from husbands and wives and parents who must live with people who won't talk to them George Bernard Shaw said that the worst sin in the world is not we hate our fellow man but that we are indifferent to him and believe me the greatest indifference comes when you treat somebody with silence. Silence is meant for church, never for home. It's meant for meditation, never in marriage. It's terrible. If you have to be somebody who feel out of love, that you cannot relate even the ugliest of troubles to your mate, I feel sorry for you because you're in more trouble than you think you're in. Silence. You can drive people to an early grave by refusing to talk to them. Three years ago, though, I learned the other side of the coin. Now, I'm not sure which is worse being the object of silence or being somebody who can't help from being silent three years ago i learned the hard way empathy for reverend zechariah one of my forefathers in the preaching profession still hard for me to talk about it haven't been able to really up to this time and i hope i'm not boring you those of you who weren't around then, and how grateful I am for those of you who were. I lost my voice for an altogether unrelated situation. I had an operation. It was on Monday. Thursday was Thanksgiving. I knew the voice was going. Friday morning when I awoke in the hospital, I couldn't speak. specialist was called in by the attending surgeon. The decision was made. I was told because of the intensity of the operation, one of the side benefits was swelling that paralyzed the left vocal cord. And I wouldn't talk for some time, maybe never again. nurses were given their instructions, the door was shut, the telephone was turned off, and I had to live in silence. Though the body was well, I've never hurt more in all of my life. When I came out of the hospital, I know you were told not even to call me because we couldn't talk, and I thank you for your many kindnesses and your prayers. Every morning I would awake. I don't know why, but I thought if I could sing, I'd be able to speak. And know oh, how I tried to sing. And finally, on that day when there was a breakthrough, I sang. You wouldn't have recognized it, but it was the doxology in my bedroom all by myself. And thank God, after being out of this pulpit for 17 weeks, after five months, it started to come back and today, fine. Still get a little frightened when I get a little architis, but everything is fine. But I found out in that time how difficult it is to want to speak and you can't. And the most ironic thing about it, one of the ones who was allowed to see me was my mother. And with her great crippling condition, every day she came to the hospital. Though we couldn't speak, she sat, read my mail to me. And shortly thereafter she had a six bell. She was I didn't find out till later, following my surgery, that she believed I would never talk again. I never thought that, but she did. She was very concerned about it. Now, for the last fourteen months, my mother has never spoken a complete sentence for over a year she's never been able to say my name without prompting how ironic because my mother who now must live without being able to speak has a son who has some understanding because of my inability to speak for five months I think the Lord was preparing us The Lord does take care of us, but when you go through it, it hurts like you know what. To want to speak, and you can't. And I'm sure there are some people here today for different reasons who are not only the objects of silence, but who are really trying to tell somebody something that is deep within them. And they open their mouths and it can't come out there in the silence of hell. That hurts. That hurts. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but some of you do. And it hurts. But some of you can identify with Elizabeth because here was a woman who hurt because she was unproductive. Elizabeth! I don't care how large your volume of a Bible dictionary, the article about Elizabeth is always very small. The simple reason is she was a nobody. Elizabeth, what did she do? Nothing before the prior Christmas experience. There was no pending ERA, there was no women's liberation, there were no hobby classes, no tennis courts. what could she do? Very unproductive. Uh, she probably had servants. she couldn't even cook a meal or allowed to make a bed or clean a house. What was she going to do? I'm sure many times she felt like giving up on God. And though she probably wouldn't admit it, I'm sure there are many times she felt like giving up Reverend Zechariah. where would she go? Where would she go? She had nowhere to go but to her knees. out of hurt. She was unfulfilled, unwanted, felt unneeded and unnecessary. And she hurt. I really don't care what you think of the liberation movements that are going on today, but I hope you'll never be so callous to forget that basically they have been gunned by people who hurt, who hurt. See, it's very difficult for those of us who have positions of honor, responsibility. We have problems, but we have productivity. It's very difficult for us to understand the position of a woman or a man who feels unneeded, unproductive, unnecessary, and unfulfilled. That feeling hurts and some of you know what I'm talking about and there are some young people here who can identify with Mary who was driven to her inner and outer knees because of the hurt that comes with frustration confusion and wonderment here was a young girl Mary we're not quite sure but we think she wasn't much bolder than some of our seniors in high school she goes out, tradition has it, and goes to get a, a bucket of water, and lo and behold, an angel visits her and says, Hey, favored one, hey, you're, you're blessed. There's a great future for you. You are going to have a baby who's going to be the savior of the world. Mary couldn't understand. The Bible said she was troubled. She was troubled by the saying, imagine if some angel gave you that message you young person how would you feel the angel disappeared she didn't know whether she had seen a vision had a dream or was going out of her mind it's tough to be a young person and given so great a promise I know many a young people right in our own community Some of them are out of college. They've been told for a long time by parent, by preacher, by principal, and by the press, hey, you're great. You're tremendous. You're favored. You're blessed. The future depends upon you. And though we think they ought to be very excited about it, they're not. They're not. They're troubled. I really think why some of them are filled with apathy. Indecision and maybe even a little rebellion. It's because they've heard these words of promise and they're troubled. I don't know about you folks, but i i wouldn't want to be a teenager today. Many of them are hurting. The sermon is for those of you who are hurting just want to tell you, I know it's no fun. I can identify with some of you. You have your spirit smashed, your heart broken. Inwardly, you're kneeling because you hurt. I have good news for you. I have good news. Jesus Christ is about to be born into your experience in a new way that you've never known him before oh it hurts now but Christmas is coming it was our Lord himself who said a woman who is in travail has great sorrow for her hour has come but when she is delivered of the child she remembers not the anguish or joy that a child has been born. You who are hurting and kneeling out of desperation, hang on. It hurts now, but Christ is being born in a new way, and soon you will know it. Amen. And amen. Father, thank you for a wonderful day here. Thank you for the opportunity to worship, to sing, to hear hallelujah, and to kneel, even when it hurts so much. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be in abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.